0: Check, check, mic check. Check, check, mic check. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast Envy. I'm your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder, and we are back. To our series on social impact and podcasting with Shannon Crow, host of The Connected Yoga Teacher. You know by now that yoga is near and dear to my heart. And I have a lot to say about the practice and the industry that both brings me sanity in my type A overachieving mindscape and nearly brought me to certain doom with my first business, a storefront yoga studio, which crashed and burned. And I had to file bankruptcy but I was resilient, and here I am with a podcasting business, no storefront, but I still teach yoga a bit, I still practice less than I'd like to, and it's probably because of yoga that I was able to bounce back at all. The yoga business is hard, y'all, and business in general can be lonely, and that's exactly why Shannon created the Connected Yoga Teacher. Links to Shannon's podcast, her Facebook group for yoga teachers only, and more will be in the show notes for this episode at bit.ly/podnv033 for episode 33. Again, that's bit.ly/podnv033. In those show notes, you will also find my Halloween special, a three-card tarot spread for focusing your podcast content, shifting into a fresh perspective of your show, and having a little fun with your future totally free. My gift for being a part of the Podcast Envy and Creative Imposter Studios community. You can link directly at thecreativeimposter.com forward slash podcast tarot or click from the show notes. Shannon Crow, thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Envy. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure.
1: I'm a big fan of your show.
0: Yay. So tell me a little bit about The Connected Yoga Teacher, both your podcast and also your yoga and consulting business that it is a part of.
1: Sure. Uh, The Connected Yoga Teacher podcast started, it's been over a year now that I've been podcasting. It was a year in February and... That all started because I was really talking to a lot of yoga teachers who were struggling, feeling like they were out on their own, out in this sort of wilderness of entrepreneurship. And I knew that it wasn't really being covered, like business stuff. There's a whole mindset around like helping people and being a healer and being a yogi. And then there's some roadblock of like, well, then I can't make money and I can't ask for money. There's something there and it was in. Within me when I started teaching yoga. And so I wanted to address that. And I really wanted to connect yoga teachers with information between classes and workshops. Like they're driving, they're traveling, they're teaching, they're taking things. And I wanted them to have something every week.
0: Full disclosure for my listeners my my prior life before podcasting. Some of you already know this, and some of you don't. Is that I am was slash I still have a couple of clients, a yoga teacher and meditation teacher. And so Shannon, a lot of this actually super resonates with me because I really felt, and especially because in my yoga teaching career, I ended up starting my own yoga studio and running a studio for five years. And as the owner of the studio, I felt super isolated because I didn't really feel like I had anyone that I could talk to about some of those challenges around, well, we need to make money because we have to get a new water heater for the building. <laughs> and right. I need to pay people because if I don't, they're not going to show up. But I couldn't, you know, talk about money stuff with my teachers on my staff because, you know, I was like the leader and the person they needed to have faith in. And, you know, they didn't want to be worried about where's their paycheck coming from. And then I didn't even feel like I could talk really to other yoga studio owners in Chicago because there's that whole layer of competition. yes So there really wasn't anywhere for me to talk about money in context of being a healer and context of healing services and spirituality and wanting to be of service to your clients, but also needing to have a sustainable business. Yeah, I know. It's hats off
1: to you for running a studio for five years. I managed one for five years. And it's a huge undertaking. Like you said, it is very isolating and that whole piece that you said about the competition is huge. So this is one of those things that was really driving me because we have a really nice local teacher, yoga teacher group in and around Owen Sound. There's about a hundred yoga teachers in two counties here and we're not a big place. So on one hand, it's great to have a group of people that you can connect with and, you know, meet up with. On the other hand, a lot of them were saying, I feel like there's yoga teachers everywhere now and there's a teacher training and yoga teachers just keep coming every year. And so they were really (laughs) feeling like that competition piece. And so I knew that I wanted the connected yoga teacher to be more global so that it releases that. Right. You can help a yoga teacher across the world because you're not afraid that they're going to steal your yoga students. And then I do really address that as well, because I think we can do the same thing in our communities.
0: And so were you already a podcast listener when you came up with this idea? Why podcasting specifically for reaching that global audience, as opposed to like, say, focusing on YouTube or something like that? Right. I definitely love
1: podcasts. I feel like I can listen to them in the car, at my garden when I'm cleaning, like I'm busy and I'm running different places and doing things I have three kids as well and I know the yoga teacher lifestyle when I was teaching like 12 to 16 classes a week I was in my car a lot so that's where I thought I will be able to connect with yoga teachers that's why I chose the podcast
0: going back even further than that why yoga like what was it about getting into yoga and then eventually even consulting with other teachers how did that all begin for you
1: So the yoga piece, I mean, my own personal yoga story, I feel like very similar to a lot of people. I tried yoga. I did yoga. I felt like I was a better person when I was doing yoga. My life kind of seemed much easier as a mom of three when I had done my yoga practice. Physically, emotionally especially, though, I just felt like I had a big solid tool that I could always turn to. And then... Let's see, when did I decide? You know, I I didn't decide I was going to be a consultant for yoga teachers. I was working in a few different trainings and yoga teachers were asking me questions and mainly asking me business questions it was something i was really excited to share and then it was they were just finding out from each other oh i went to shannon she helped me with my website i went to shannon she helped me with my poster and the money mindset was a big piece of it as well
0: that's so funny that's how i became a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah this Conversation is part of a series that we're doing on podcasting and social impact. When I say podcasting and social impact, what does that make you think of? And do you feel like that applies to you?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, for one, it almost makes me have imposter syndrome to answer this question. Like, <laughs> I know that's something you really specialize in and you just did a series on. Uh, so, my goal with a podcast is to have an impact and a positive impact. So really small scale, I like to talk to people about supporting each other as yoga teacher peers. So Mm -hmm. I think the same can go across in supporting other entrepreneurs as well. But ours is focused mainly on yoga teacher entrepreneurs. So just supporting like that fellow person who's you know down the street from you also running yoga classes and figuring out how you can lift them up and work together in a community is the small piece of that but i think the big piece is that if i can make an impact and help someone with the mindset setting their prices or building their business setting their goals really actually moving forward and profiting as a yoga teacher then They are the ones that are making money and making more decisions. Where right now I feel what's happening is a lot of yoga teachers are barely scraping by or they have a full-time outside career other than yoga that's fueling them mainly. And I want to see that flip. Like there's no reason why it can't. I think if yoga teachers take a moment to think, you know, like a dentist or a massage therapist or a doctor, where they, they have a service that they offer to people and it helps them and it's okay to charge for that. You know, dentists aren't walking around feeling like, oh, should I charge? Can people afford to get their teeth fixed? Like no one is thinking like that as a dentist. Why are yoga teachers?
0: I totally agree with that. And I'm, I'm even thinking, you know, about the work that you do and how there's something. So uh, uh, many of us were attracted to yoga or drawn into a yoga practice or becoming yoga teachers because it had such a profound impact on our lives, you know, like making you a more sane person or mom or, you know, for me, it was taking the edge off of my type A personality. I discovered yoga in college and I went originally just, I was just thinking of it as exercise. It was just a group fitness class in our rec center and I knew I needed to exercise more, but I hated exercising as so I discovered just by going to the classes like, wow, I really feel different after this 60 minute class in a way that I don't feel different after like say an aerobics class or a kickboxing class. And I began to get really curious about that. And it really has the practice, the teachings, the classes, the trainings, everything that I've done has had such a profound impact on the way that I function in the way that I manage stress that I can see how supporting yoga teachers to feel more empowered to be able to continue to do their work that can have a ripple effect because then if that yoga teacher is supported then how many people can they teach and influence and support (laughs) from there it's like a little expanding ripple yeah oh it so is I love that example and what you
1: said really resonates with me in That was your experience in that class and it made a big impact and honestly in my years of teaching it's very few people that will tell you sometimes how big that impact is so i know that yoga teachers are going out doing a ton of work and then not always hearing that story like yoga impacted me so much so for example this mom came up to me and she said to me i used to come to your baby and me class And uh, let me just say that baby and me yoga is not like an adult class. It's not just calm. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like chaos. You know, there's some that are learning how to crawl, going over to the babies who don't know how to crawl. And it's a lot to manage. It's only about 45 minutes. and, And often I would feel like I couldn't fit a lot of quiet yoga time in for these moms. So that's how I was feeling as the teacher. And this mom shared that It made such an impact for her. She was suffering from depression, postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. and she was just happy in that class because she could move and breathe with other moms. Mm -hmm. And she said it made all the difference to her. Well, I would never know that unless she shared it with me. So a lot of our yoga teachers don't know that impact that they are having on people. A lot of people will turn to yoga if they're told to for physical reasons and also for emotional reasons. So like you said, it can have such a ripple out into the community. And reverse is (laughs) you go to a yoga class, you love this yoga teacher, and then they're struggling to support their business. Or as we know, many yoga studios close and then that's not there for you. So I really want to be behind the teacher's
0: to help them do that. Mm -hmm. I love that story so much. And I think that the same can go for podcasting too. When you think about it, you know, you're sitting, I don't know where you're sitting right now. I'm sitting in a kitchen pantry that I've converted to a (laughs) podcasting closet, podcasting studio. (laughs) You record these things and maybe you have a great interview, great conversation with another yoga teacher. And then you put the podcast out there And you see numbers in your statistics of people downloading it. But sometimes you have no idea who is listening to your show. You have no idea if they're listening to the whole thing, if they're super distracted and, you know, vacuuming while they're listening on their headphones or doing the dishes. (laughs) You have no idea where or how people are listening to your show. And occasionally we get feedback right we get ratings we get reviews we might have email feedback from someone but very often we don't get a lot of feedback Mm -hmm. that is so true and I always like to remind myself if this person took the
1: time to send me an email or to leave me a voicemail there are a bunch more people that were feeling the same way and this one person reached out because I listen to so many podcasts and I don't often reach out or say something, even when something really impacts me. So I do try now to take a screenshot, even share it on Instagram stories or something, like just to say, wow, this this was really helpful for me today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good idea. The screenshots. Do you know that there's a new partnership connection between Spotify and Instagram stories? Do you no. know about this? It's pretty new. So you can now If you're listening to a podcast in Spotify, the little dot, dot, dot thing where you can get your share options, there's an option to share directly to your Instagram story. And it puts a screenshot of the podcast that you're listening to in your Instagram story, and it's clickable back to that podcast in Spotify. Oh, that's fantastic. But speaking
1: of that, you have a
0: Facebook group, right, for your Connected Yoga Teacher? Yeah,
1: it's amazing how that thing has grown. We have almost 4,000 members now. Wow.
0: It's a lot of work.
1: Um, It gets to be more and more work the more people we have, but Mm -hmm. I have a couple of good moderators as well.
0: And so how are you engaging with your listeners? So if we have, you know, this desire to have a positive social impact and to spread good stuff with our mission, with our podcast. It's one thing to create the podcast, but then there's this whole other side of it, creating community and connection with our listeners and with our guests and things like that. So what kinds of things are you doing to engage with your community around it?
1: So that Facebook group, I would say is the number one. Mm-hmm. And now that the tone has been set, it's often running and say there's a spammy post or an unsupportive post. Our group our core group who's been there for a while, it just doesn't get anywhere. It just doesn't go anywhere like other Facebook groups might. So I am a part of a few different yoga Facebook groups Mm -hmm. or business ones, and I don't go in for the ones where there's drama or people are being rude. Like we have these rules set and I set them at the beginning because this was the kind of party I wanted to be at. Like I wanna be somewhere where if you're making a comment, it's helpful it's not snarky or hurtful, or I do it this way, and this is the only way. Definitely Mm -hmm. sharing opinions. But like, is that helpful to the person who just asked a question? (laughs) And you would think that as yoga teachers, Mm -hmm. we have this niceness about our replies. But in my experience, that's not been the case in a lot of yoga teacher groups. Mm -hmm. There's that competition feeling that like, I don't I don't know how to describe it. So I think anyone who has a podcast and decides to do a Facebook group, start it really small and keep it tight. Like don't be afraid to kick people out if they're rude. <laughs> don't be afraid to not allow people in if they don't fit exactly like ours is you need to be a yoga teacher or in a yoga teacher training. Lots of people want to join and they're like, no, I just do yoga. Well, there are lots of other groups for them. And then we really have the group rules outlined. And and that's been a process too. We've changed them, you know, if something new comes up and someone keeps spamming the group. Also, we have places where they can share. So it's kind of like, what would you like in a Facebook group and then create that? Mm
0: -hmm. How are you getting people? So you said you have like 4000 members. So has the growth been mostly just by sharing it on the podcast? Or have you been growing the group in other ways as well?
1: I would say it's mostly from the podcast it's on our front page of our website it's in the email sometimes i was sharing like different posts that people were sharing were asking about like just a link back but then i decided to talk about it in every podcast so i wasn't doing that at first but some people were telling me that they weren't sure that they were allowed to join because they were a newer yoga teacher so i was like i want to make it clear that it's any yoga teacher
0: That's a good point is the repetition. I think sometimes when we think about self-promotion, We feel as podcasters, oh, maybe I shouldn't promote it in every episode because then maybe it's going to feel overwhelming or it's going to feel self promotional or it's going to be overkill. But like, really, you can't guarantee that everyone is listening to every episode. And so, if you don't say it in the episode they happen to listen to, then they're not going to know about it. (laughs) And it's not going to be a resource for them. Exactly. And I think a Facebook group. So, here's
1: another key secret if you have a podcast. And you feel like you want to grow the numbers. One of the things that I did in our three questions, you know how Facebook groups allow you to ask three questions to Mm -hmm. people who want to join. The last one of mine is, have you heard of the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast? Because mostly we were getting people at the beginning who were just searching for yoga, I guess, and we were popping up and they were requesting to join. They were like, oh, this is cool. This is a group for yoga teachers. And many of them didn't know that we had a podcast. So yeah, so the link is there and lots of people were writing, oh, I didn't know. Or now we're getting more and more people saying, yeah, that's how I heard about this.
0: I'm totally doing that, Shannon, because I have a Facebook group as well. And I have the question, how did you hear about the group? And I mean, it says the podcast in the group description, but I didn't think to put it in the questions. That's so smart. Mm -hmm. So you could, it could still say, how did you hear about the group? Did you hear
1: about it through our podcast? If not, here it is. Like you could still have it in there and have the link.
0: Yeah. Love that. (laughs) See, this is why I do interviews on my podcast, because I end up with free coaching out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Podcast angels. I think as Christmas time approaches, I may have to start singing carols about angels. Hmm. Do you want to feel more connected? Maybe you're not a yoga teacher, but you are a podcaster. Or at the very least, you will be soon. And sometimes you have questions. And sometimes it feels weird to post in anonymous Facebook groups. And sometimes you really could just use a little support around your show. If that sounds like you, you may be just who I'm looking for. I am creating a podcast envy grow pod. Grow pod? I am creating a podcast envy hot pod. I am creating a very special exclusive group for podcasters in the Podcast Envy community. And I don't have a name for it yet. I'm really struggling with this name. I'm going to be totally serious about that. So if you have any ideas, please send them my way. However, it will be an awesome group in which we will have ongoing support, Q&As, office hours with me, and workshops from guest professionals. Probably some other stuff that'll be really cool too. It's still in the works. And part of that is because I want to get your input as I'm designing it. What do you need? What do you want to know? How can I support you in making your show better, more meaningful, stronger, more resilient, and let's face it, more enjoyable? If you're curious on this vague, vague, vague pitch that I'm giving you, please head on over to thecreativeimposter.com forward slash grow together. That's thecreativeimposter.com forward slash grow together to get on the short list of invitees to the program, and I will be in touch with you soon. So I know that when we originally connected, I had reached out to you about the imposter syndrome series, and we did wrap that up, and I wanted to get you in the social impact series. But imposter syndrome is something that you already mentioned and something I love to talk about. So can you just tell me a little bit about how that has shown up for you in the creation of the Connected Yoga Teacher?
1: Sure.
0: (laughs) Well, let me just back things up. So as a yoga teacher,
1: I was ready to quit and get a nine to five, although my partner, Sean, was laughing at me, saying, like, you will never be happy and that will never happen. (laughs) Like, I am an entrepreneur at heart. But what was happening was right before the launch, you know, even at the idea phase of things, it's scary. I I don't care who you are. I don't know anyone that just launches with no fear. Mm-hmm. Now, I ha- I kept this piece of paper near my desk and all it said on it was try. And it had a lot of weight. It was actually at a yoga retreat that I had done this exercise and picked a word and I knew I wanted to do this thing. I couldn't even define what it was. I knew I wanted it to be for yoga teachers. So there was it definitely wasn't a clear path at all. And mostly what holds me back every single time, like even this week, I'm launching this group thing for yoga teachers. All that's holding me back is my own fear and my own imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And what it feels like for me in that moment is who am I to do this? But really deep seated, like sometimes I'll look out and see, well, that person's doing it, but they've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So where, where is there even room for me to do this? Or or I don't even know what this would look like if I did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no way to know until you do it. So with the last one, I've been more open with my group, my audience. They've been asking for this group thing and I've been <laughs> really hesitating. So I would say the imposter syndrome, the only thing I've gained is to know it's coming Like, to know all of that fear is going to come up. And it it shows up in weird ways. Like, I signed up for a course because I was feeling that, right? Because I'm feeling like I need to know more. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yoga teachers are great for that.
0: Oh, my (laughs) goodness. The whole industry is built on that. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is.
1: And so it's mucky. It's not. It doesn't feel good. But I feel like it's a normal part to just be like, hmm. I am aware that I am afraid to do this. Like there are some fears coming up or I, I think other people are doing it better than me. But honestly, like there is enough room out there. Like that's the thing for whatever you're doing. Like how many people do you really have to have listening to your podcast or going to your yoga class? Really? You don't want the whole world there. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't. I think that's what we get caught up in and You know, it's the fear of like, what if people make fun of me or reject me or troll me? Like as an example, I'm selling a group course and I know I want to improve it. And this person wrote me the other day and was like, I'm upset with these few things of your course. Mm -hmm. Right away, I felt like, oh my gosh, should I take it down Mm -hmm. and improve it? But every week people tell me how impactful that course has been for them. Right. So no, it's just that one person has found some things. So I reached out to her and I said, wow, I'm so glad you reached out. Like other people must be feeling the same way as you. I wonder if we can kind of work in collaboration. Because she was going for a full refund of the course, which I've oh, never had yet. Yeah. Which, is, which it's good for me to listen to that feedback then. So I offered her like a huge bonus. <laughs> I offered her a one-on-one where we work together. I answer her questions. She's going to list out some of the questions that she has during the course. I'll address them. But at the same time, I know how to improve that course yeah. now. So I don't think that you're going to launch something like, oh my gosh, if I think back to my early podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> they were really bad. I think they were. Lots of people will listen and think that they were, they're were. they still really helpful. So mm-hmm. You can only get better, but you can't get better until you start. And someone very wise, I forget who it was, in a business group of mine said, um, when your message is louder than your fear, then it'll happen.
0: That's so great. (laughs) I totally felt that way when I first started teaching yoga, and I think it, it lasted for a long time. Sometimes I... Felt like I taught the greatest class ever, like everything flowed together and it was all in sync and the music playlist queued right up to it and everyone looked super into it and then the class would be over and everyone's like, bye, see you next week. And then sometimes (laughs) I would think that I just taught the worst, most nonsensical I forgot what I was doing in the middle of the class, kind of class. Like, what am I even doing? I can't remember what side they're supposed to be on. Is it left? Is it right? Not a clue. And then someone will come up to me in tears after class, telling me how it was the most amazing experience they've ever had. And I'm like, what? That class? Really? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Exactly. And if you
1: think of it as a yoga teacher, you give that person some space with themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. with breath and movement, and they're working through their own stuff there. Same with on a podcast. So I have watched my own behavior as a podcast listener. Sometimes I will listen to a podcast and be like annoyed. <laughs> and I could listen to the same podcast host that I love, and it's very different experience the next time. And I don't, I don't think, oh, it's the podcast host. It's me. Like it's something that's coming up for me, and same with anything we share. You know, until you get someone who reacts like, hmm, I don't like this. Well, I what's that saying? Like, if you're not turning some people away, you're not really where you need to be. Or if you're not, do you know what I mean? Like, if you're not standing for something and putting your stake in the ground somewhere Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and ticking some people off, you're not really going to resonate with your ideal audience. That's what I think anyway.
0: Yeah, Seth Godin talks about, I follow a lot of Seth Godin's business and marketing advice, and he talks about that a lot, that if you're for everybody, then you're really for nobody. Exactly. Because you're not changing anything if you're just trying to placate the masses.
1: Yes. And this is so interesting. Like some people have said to me, well, I don't think yoga should be about money. And I don't think that we should niche down. It's all yoga. Well, I just don't agree with those things. So those people will not probably listen to my podcast. Mm -hmm. And I am fine with that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit and see if we can do some short answer podcasting questions for all of the new, aspiring, and even the seasoned podcasters out there. First question, how did you decide on the title for your show? Oh my gosh, I was walking
1: with my partner, Sean, and saying, like, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know what to call it. I want it to be for yoga teachers. I want it to be about how they can connect. (laughs) He's like, what about the connected yoga teacher? I'm like, oh my
0: gosh, I have to write that down.
1: But it was painful. I'm not very good at naming things. So it took a while.
0: (laughs) Yes, sometimes the best answer is the most obvious one that someone else has to point out to you (laughs) because you can't see it. (laughs) Uh, What about the cover art drawing that you have? I got an artist to do that on Fiverr.
1: I wanted to get it done quickly. Now, I did send them a photo of two local yoga teachers and tree pose. Oh. And yeah. And then I had this idea and then this artist made it up.
0: That's amazing. Cause I've seen a lot of really bad cover art come from Fiverr. So kudos to you for, <laughs> for having something really <laughs> lovely come out of it. Thanks. What about your theme music, which I also love? The theme
1: music was on like some subscription that you could sign up and then get copyright free music and... I signed up, listened to a ton of music, and then chose it.
0: What is your biggest strength or superpower as a podcaster?
1: I think it has built into feeling comfortable in sort of visualizing that yoga teacher who might be having a frazzled week Mm -hmm. and being able to talk directly to them through the microphone, like being vulnerable and being okay with saying things and it's not perfect. And yeah.
0: Is there anything that you dislike about podcasting?
1: I really dislike. I had no idea how much work it was going to be. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> I love doing the interviews and doing the intro outro, but there are so many other steps. We we wrote out our system for podcasting, and we're going to update it again soon, and We have people on the team, like our team is super. We have three people, like my VA, I have a show notes writer and an editor, and they make my life much easier. Like they're doing a big chunk of the work too, but there's Mm -hmm. still just so many little details and things change. And I really appreciate Libsyn. And at the same time, I'm like, why can't I just push a button? Like My editor (laughs) has this and it will just pull all the information,
0: but it's not like that yet. (laughs) Correct. What has been your podcasting highlight so far?
1: Um, I think it was when the first person I didn't know, booked a consultation call with me. Ooh. And the weirdest thing that happened this year was two things. Well, one happens quite often now when I get a consultation call, then someone will be like, Oh, my gosh, and they'll be all nervous. Uh huh on the call because they listen to my podcast and they think I'm someone famous. That's really weird. (laughs) They're like a super fan. (laughs) (laughs) Or I met someone in person at a conference. I said I was going to this conference. It was for yoga teachers. I went and this person ran up to me at breakfast. I was just making my tea. I had no way of knowing this was going to happen. And she was like, oh my gosh, I listen to your podcast all the time. I don't think I even said hello properly because I was just in shock. Mm. I was just standing there like, uh, <laughs> I was just trying to make my tea. So later I went and said, you know, that was that was really sweet of you to come and chat with me. I didn't even know how to process it.
0: So. <laughs> Love that. Have you had a worst podcasting moment or a biggest fail yet?
1: I mean, I've had a couple of episodes where I don't post it. Those would be the biggest fails. Mm-hmm. So either the audio goes And I just don't feel comfortable posting it or it just doesn't seem to fit. If I I listen to it again, I'm like, would someone just fall asleep during this? (laughs)
0: That's not what I want. What's your best advice for either a brand new podcaster or a more seasoned podcaster who's looking to go up to the next level with their show?
1: Hmm. It's funny, like imposter syndrome starts to kick in.
0: Like, I feel pretty new.
1: I've only done 80 some episodes. My best advice.
0: By the way, 80 episodes, there's a huge, there's a percentage that just came out and I'm not good at remembering numbers, but there was a percentage that made my jaw drop of the number of podcasts in the Apple directory that are no longer producing new content and it's high and most of them quit before 80 episodes. So I think you're doing really well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I wish that I could weed out the old podcasts. I don't wanna get that when I search. I know.
1: You know? Okay. So that I was another been... pet peeve of podcast. <laughs> for listeners. Hot pet for listeners. Listener. <laughs> Honestly, it's batching. Like I've been doing a lot of listening to different productivity specialists and reading different books on productivity. And there's that whole again, I have no idea what the number is, but you know, when you go to do a task and then you switch and you're doing another task. Mm-hmm if i can batch so if i can make the intros outros or put a bunch of episodes together and my goal is to like have a podcasting week so right now i do wednesday is all about podcasting and i either do interviews or i put the episode together and get it out to my editor but if i can batch a whole week the only thing that i kind of miss in that is the kind of real time, like this happened last week. But honestly, like listeners are fine with a story, even if it Mm -hmm. happened three weeks ago, as long as it's not seasonal, you know, specific to a date kind
0: of thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do better when I batch my because I record my intros and outros for my episodes after the interview. Mm -hmm. And if I (laughs) the, the thing that probably takes me the longest in podcasting is procrastinating recording my intros. Yes, why does that happen? I don't know, because they're not hard. (laughs) They're not unenjoyable. I like recording them. But for some reason, (laughs) getting ready to record the silly intro takes longer than actually recording the intro. Do you re-listen to that that audio? See, you edit your own. I edit my own shows. I usually will... Well, that's not even true. Sometimes, if a lot of time has gone by since I recorded the episode, I will edit it first and then do the intro because I need to re-listen to it. But if I... Just recently, like a few days ago, recorded the episode, and I can still remember what we talked about. Then I'll just record the intro with it before I listen to it. And I also have an assistant right now who edits some of my shows for me. Yeah, she will edit, and then I have a nice clean version to listen to. So that's right. That's actually always nicer.
1: <laughs> that would be something I'm aiming for. I can't give the advice on it yet, but when you said like if it's fresh in your mind still, and you do the intro outro.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I should aim for, next year goals. What is your dream for the future with your podcast? Like, what would you like to see happen?
1: That is a great question. I mean, I feel like I'm here to stick with it right now. Mm -hmm. I don't have any, like, I want to go here next and do this next with it, for sure. I have lots of different topic ideas. That's actually not an issue. I have everything planned out until January. And we're looking at the end of August right now. So it's not that I'm really aiming to do anything different. One thing I've been adding more are live consultation calls with yoga teachers. Those
0: are favorites. Do you Um, ever get stumped on one of those?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I listen to it and I feel like we just fumble around a lot. And that's the way it is in a consultation call. But for me as a podcast listener, I love those episodes where someone is getting coached.
0: I've thought about doing that on this show with podcasting clients, but I'm always worried that they're going to ask me something or I'm going to have no advice for them or something. (laughs) There's that imposter syndrome thing again. (laughs) I cannot release this episode because I gave you zero good advice.
1: (laughs) And the great thing is, is that you literally could make that decision, Mm -hmm. right? You could Mm -hmm. just be like, That was terrible. I have done consultation calls with people where we intended to put them out as a live one. They were okay with it, but honestly it went all over the place and I wouldn't even know what to title it. So those ones I don't put out. I make the decision on that and so do they. So what I do is I make mine free for the person who's signing up for the consultation call. So it's an incentive for them to do it. And then they know that it might get aired if they're okay with it. So they have the first okay. Yeah. And then I have the second one.
0: So if you look into your crystal ball and you see the future of podcasting, do you think that podcasting can change the world?
1: I do. I feel... I feel like it gives us such an understanding of someone's story. It's really intimate when we're listening to people. I listened to the Sick Boy podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. that podcast. <laughs> it is worth listening to. I learn a lot. It's like this gap generation that's between me and my teenagers, but I can kind of <laughs> hear a lot of new things that are coming up. The basis of it is that there are three young men doing that podcast. And they interview people who have different illnesses. Oh. And they don't really care about the medical side of things and like getting it right. They want to know what that person's life is like. Huh. And they ask all the questions. Yeah. <laughs> it is really good. And I feel like when I listen to an episode, like there was a man in a wheelchair in one of the episodes, and he was saying, I'm a wheelchair user, not someone bound to a wheelchair. That's Mm -hmm. how our language is. And it gives me a whole new understanding of like words that I might say because I'm just ignorant of what someone might be feeling like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What is the best way for people to connect with you? Where are your favorite social media platforms? Obviously, listen to the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast. If you are in fact in that demographic and if not it's okay if you don't listen to it but you might want to check it out and see how shannon's doing things anyway but how else would you like to connect with people online
1: people can follow me on instagram i'm trying to be on there a little bit more it's shannon underscore crow underscore yoga okay it's really long I'm working away and seeing how Instagram goes. On Facebook, I'm on there as well. And then probably the easiest way is the ConnectedYogaTeacher.com and you can see all of of ways to connect with me. I like when people leave me a voicemail.
0: Hmm. It's
1: right on my website. (laughs)
0: Last question. Is there anything else that you want to share with our podcast Envy listeners before we say goodbye?
1: I would say just the last thing is kind of a summary. Like you have no idea the impact that you can have. And in order to have that impact, you have to be okay with the imposter syndrome, the fear, all of that stuff that's going to come up. And your message isn't going to be for everyone. But when you really share, your message is going to be unlike anyone else's. Like it just has to be because you're very unique. No one else can deliver content like you can.
0: Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The Podcast Envy theme music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Freesound Project at freesound.org. And our podcast, Angel Music, is by Benjamin Masterpolito, also on freesound.org as... Lemon Cream. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. Our episodes are mixed by Edwin Ruiz. And hey, if you want your show to sound as good as ours, hire us. Put the magic audio mojo of the Creative Imposter Studios to work for you. Thanks so much for listening, and here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else.